0: Hey everybody, Vincent Aiello here from the Fighter Pilot Podcast. What you are about to hear is a replay of the Facebook Live Question and Answer segment we held on September 19th with Sunshine and Major Mike Walsh, BS. And so if you caught that live or on Facebook after, or even on YouTube where we posted it, well then you won't hear anything new. But if you missed it, here's an opportunity in this bonus episode. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Facebook Live question and answer segment. I'm Jello.
1: And I'm Sunshine.
0: And this, who you might know from episode 25, is United States Marine Corps Major Mike Walsh, call sign BS.
2: Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Welcome. And uh, so you haven't done one of these with us yet. Sunshine and I have done a couple. The ROE, or Rules of Engagement, are we're going to ask you questions. you got a couple minutes to answer, and we'll banter back and forth. We might add some of our own You know answers or ideas opinions on it and then at the end sunshine and i recently did a movie review think of mystery science theater 3000 a little bit we're kind of critiquing some of the flying movies top gun iron eagle planes (laughs) i forget what else (laughs) we did but anyway you being a marine we're gonna have your movie because the navy has top gun the air force has iron eagle we're gonna ask you to do independence day perfect all right (laughs) so we have just a little bit less than an hour And we will jump right into it, unless anyone has anything else. Giddy up. All right. First question is from Elliot Goddard from the United Kingdom. Elliot asks, the F 18 and other modern ground attack aircraft can deliver bombs in both CCIP... And CCRP. Now, what do those mean there, Sunshine, real quick? I
1: think it's continuously computed impact point and continuously computed release point.
0: So you have symbology in your HUD that tells you if you hold the trigger when you get to the auto, is what we would call the CCRP, the bomb will come off. Or you have a hot cross, as I sometimes thought of it. And when you put that on a target and push the button, wherever it's on, that's where the bomb theoretically should go. Anyway, back to the question. Uh, Each mode requires different flight styles to be effective. When do you use these different methods, and which is the preferred one for you? So he's asking you here now, BS, as a pilot.
2: Yeah, I think um, the CCRP, or auto bomb, as we call it, yep. uh, is probably your your, uh, your preferred mode um, of employment. And the reason being is it, it takes the uh, – you can incorporate, uh, like, a targeting pod, a FLIR pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, so you, you already have your target selected. You have all the symbols right in front of you. And basically, you just have to fly the jet uh, down – to the target, or even level at the target, within certain parameters, and the computer kind of does the work for you, and it uh, it releases the bomb when it calculates that that's the appropriate time based on how high you are, how fast you are, how far away from the target, um, and I think it generally tends to be a little bit more accurate uh, than CCIp. Just like you said, uh, Joe, it looks just across uh, through your HUD to the ground, and, and that's where your bomb's going to go. So that is also an accurate way to to employ, um, but. I think CCRP is a little bit better, and I don't think, especially nowadays with uh, laser guided weapons, um, even GPS guided weapons to an extent, um, you're going to use more of a CCRP type mentality. Yeah,
0: auto. Yeah. I would add to that that with the CCIP, there's a pilot delayed, right? Human reaction. What am I trying to say here? Um, By the time you see it, yeah, Yeah. reaction time. So by the time you see it go over your target and it, you know, goes through your eyes and to your brain and to your finger, you might end up hitting a little bit long. Whereas in the auto mode, as I said at the beginning, you're just standing on the pickle essentially, Mm -hmm. and when the aircraft decides now is the time, it's going to come off. Now the advantage though of the uh, CCIP is that you know left or right where the bomb's going to go. In auto, you get the downrange correct thanks to the jet, but if you're off the line to the left or the right then you may miss the target left. Sure, or right. sure. sure.
2: So nothing's foolproof, um, but, uh, and they both work really well. It just really depends on where you're going to drop and yeah. what you're trying to do.
1: What did you use, Sunshine? I was an auto bomber. Yeah? yeah. yeah. Actually, just to like you said, to remove the human element, uh, basically from the kill chain, if you will.
0: Right, yeah. because the other nice thing about auto is if you are, let's say, rolling in with the target designated in auto, and for whatever reason your fat fingers hit the pickle button, the bomb's not going to come off. In CCIP, right. it will, and that could Absolutely. be a huge collateral damage. Yeah. problem for you and you know, drop the bomb on something you don't want. Of course, at a range, that's an administrative issue. In a real target, that's a big problem for whatever else Absolutely. might be next to the target. I will tell you guys, though, I did use CCIP frequently but i would designate the target and the idea was that if i for whatever reason overflew the target especially like you were saying in a laser guided bomb if you're looking away and it's a level lay down let's say and you look up and uh-oh i flew through and i wasn't on the pickle well the nice thing was i could undesignate on the stick castle forward and they don't really need to care about all this but the point is i could very quickly get into a hot pickle mode that mm-hmm. is sometimes a liability and now it's an asset because i could quickly release it and then try to redesignate the target and hope that it wasn't too late to guide the bomb on it. So I use it almost as a backup because in CCIP, if you designate the target, you're still in auto anyway. Mm -hmm. But if you undesignate the target, then then you're in CCIP.
1: Yeah, so just for the audience. So basically when you say hot pickle, you're saying, hey, the button actually releases the weapon as opposed to if you push the button, that's consent to release the weapon. Yeah, very good. Right? Fair enough. Excellent. All right. Next question is from Connor, Thousand Oaks, here in California. My question regards the differences between VFAs and VMFAs. How are they similar and how are they different? Second part of the question, do they go to the boat or are they mostly shore-based?
2: Sure. Yeah, that's a good question. I get this one a lot, actually. Uh, so VFA, uh, V, fixed wing, uh, F, fighter, A, attack. VMFA, same deal, just the M is for Marines. So VFA is your Navy squadrons. VMFA is your Marine squadrons. Uh, what is the difference? I'd say obviously the Marine squadrons are superior in all respects. Oh, uh, yeah, we're done here. Thank you very much. <laughs> Look at the time. Uh, <laughs> didn't see that one coming. Well done. And, and all and no, all kidding aside, there really isn't a whole lot of difference. And, and if we're looking at the word, it's just a semantic thing, just to denote that hey, one's a Marine squadron, one's a Navy squadron. Um, in terms of similarities, we all come up through the same training, kind of like we talked about the other That's day, right. yep. So we all learn from the same playbook, uh, and we could. You could theoretically most likely take a Marine pilot and stick him in a Navy squadron, uh, and, and he could very well uh, be part of the group almost instantaneously, and vice versa going you know Navy to Marine just because we train the same way, we come up, we're raised the same way. Uh, the aircraft, when the Navy flew Legacy, obviously it was the identical airplane, so we all do the same thing now that the you know, Navy is exclusively uh, flying Super Hornets. So there's a little bit of difference there, but for all intents and purposes, they're pretty much the same thing. Yeah, how
1: about now a, a two-seat squadron in the Marine Corps? Will mm-hmm.
2: they go to the boat? Two-seat squadrons don't go to the boat. Yeah. Um, two-seat jets do. Uh, it's just a decision that that, that hire makes. It's not like a two-seat jet can't go to the boat. Uh, just We just uh, keep that to the single seat.
1: Okay, so they be expeditionary, if you will, Correct. the two seats. Okay, yeah. fair mm-hmm. enough, yeah. Are there any, within the air wing, uh, when I, so I'm Navy, obviously, we had some foxtrot squadrons that the CAG, the commander of the air group, would say, Hey, only a Foxtrot can uh, execute this mission, mm-hmm. and it was typically uh, going to be an airborne FAC, right? A, right. Airborne Forward
0: mission. Air controller, Airborne. Yeah, thank mm-hmm. you.
1: Mm-hmm. FAC A, excuse me. Now, is that also the case? Is there exclusivity for a, a Delta model or a two-seat model versus a Charlie?
2: Yeah, there sure is. I think the two missions I can think of, uh, the, the FAC A like you talked about, so they obviously have someone in the backseat that's playing the role of uh, an airborne FAC. Uh, But then also in the Marine community, we have uh, an ATARS mission, which is kind of like a recce mission. Uh, So some of our deltas in the Marine Corps don't even have a gun in the nose. They totally take the gun out, and they put a a high-resolution camera in the nose and different mission sets, you know, taking pictures, uh, BDA, stuff like that. We
0: just featured an image of that recently on our Instagram daily, and it was an F-18. I forget if it was a D or not, but it it must have been, I guess. Mm -hmm. And you could see it uh, up there. It's kind of cool.
2: Yeah, no, it's cool. It'll get your attention, too, when you walk out to the jet and you're not thinking about it, and you look at it, and kind of the nose looks a little bit different, and you realize there's a a kind of a bulge in the bottom where a camera would go, uh, but it flies the same. You can't even tell. Hmm.
1: So it's not interchangeable out on cruise.
2: They're not going to swap in a gun and swap out the camera? Yeah, I don't think they can do that, but yeah, I think they they usually have maybe like two or three per the squadron of 12, or so they have the camera. Fair enough.
0: The only other thing I would add to Connor's question is Marine squadrons do come to the boat, some. Mm -hmm. And until recently, some Navy squadrons did go on what they called UDP, or Unit Deployment Program, Mm -hmm. because the Marine Corps does deploy mostly to Iwakuni, but... They will deploy, of course, for combat, and, and didn't you say you deployed to... Uh, I did, yep. To I forget where you said now, but if you want to... We'll we,
2: were, we were over in, uh, in Bahrain for a okay. bit and cruising around. South right,
0: but if, and if that was a combat deployment, that's one thing, but the Navy generally won't deploy VFA squadrons except on a carrier, um, but they did a few times, and this was several years back, as they were exchanging, if you will. Some Navy squadrons did the Marine thing, some Marine squadrons came out to the boat and did the Navy thing, but that's more common for the Marines to come play Navy. hmm Right. How,
1: many, how many Charlie squadrons would you say roughly are boat squadrons
2: now? So right now we have um, we have one on the west coast, the VMFA three twenty-three, the Snakes, right. the snakes. Okay. and then on the east coast, I think it's actually just went down from two to one, so it's now just uh, VMFA three twelve, the Checkerboards.
0: So two fifty-one bolts are they no them? longer? No, they're yeah.
2: actually they're not a okay. boat squadron. They're actually now a composite squadron. So oh wow! Not, oh. They just started to, to accept uh, Delta aircraft and also Wizzos in that okay. squadron.
0: All right. Wow! Nice. Excellent. All right. Next up is Colin Kunkel from He told me I was going to get this wrong. Saskatchewan, Canada. Uh, He asks, are catapult suspends pretty rare or quite common? What are some reasons to suspend a launch?
2: So I had... uh, I'm not a boat guy by trade, but I had... uh, You know, we all go through the CQ syllabus. and Mm -hmm. I had one suspend when I was out there, um, and... I think I think for people to appreciate anything in a suspend is and they have to understand what it is first of all. So and you guys can speak to it better than I can be a navy guys. But for me, uh, if you can imagine, you know, your your airplane is strapped to the aircraft carrier, your launch bar is down into the shuttle, ready to get projected off the front of this thing. Your afterburners are kicking, the jet just feels tight, it just wants to go, it doesn't <laughs> want to stay it doesn't want to stay mm-hmm. in this boat, it wants to bl- literally yeah. blast off the front of this boat. Um, and I remember for me i had uh, I was wiping out the controls before we, we uh, launched, and I had all sorts of uh, flight control issues all of a sudden just popped up uh, in my last minute kind of wipe out so I was a brand new uh, i wasn 't even uh, out of the FRS yet I was a student so that was a pretty, uh, emotional experience in and of itself. Um, <laughs> and I was just like, I don't know what's going on right now, but I need to like suspend this launch. And I think i probably said suspend over the radio, maybe a hundred times. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the don't don't send me. All <laughs> like, right. Junior, we got yeah. you. So, yep, you, yeah, you yeah. know, and you know, you just pull the throttles back and, and go on, you know, you troubleshoot the problem and figure it out. But, uh, really I would say you could do it for anything. I mean, if anything that you don't want to take the jet flying, I would imagine, uh, you can just pay suspend and, and just kind of Pause the process. Yeah, true. Yeah,
1: I'd say that sound doctrine, and that to me it was if there's any doubt, there's no doubt, right? If there's any doubt about the jet's flying capabilities, there's no doubt I'm going to stop the launch. Right. So it didn't happen much for me. I would say uh I remember nighttime where you're supposed to turn on the lights, which is the uh, the nighttime analogy to saluting, right? And I just forgot to flip the little light switch, so I sat there in the darkness. So and you're ready? Up to go, <laughs> but no one else, so they, yeah. they suspended because I didn't know what was going on.
0: But they recocked it and shot you this same. We okay, yeah, perfect. perfect. Yeah. So to st- Uh, To Colin's question, though, are they pretty rare, quite common? Sunshine, with your deployments in mind, too, so we'll uh, talk past you here for a second. I would say maybe one every other day. I don't know. Yeah, I would say
1: infrequent. I would say few and far between.
0: But, I mean, it wasn't like it was the big talk of the ship if someone suspended. It was no big deal, depending on what it was. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't every day, every launch either. No,
1: and if you think about it uh, from the aircraft or the aircrew perspective is we check all these systems ahead of time except for... The engine's in either military or afterburner. Right. And a good, clean wipeout with all the engines in, in full power, if you will. So That's right. So pretty much I would say 99% of the jet has already been checked prior to launch bar down. Right. And then you got your final checkers, too. They could suspend it also. True. Sure. The enlisted or, uh, that hang around the aircraft. Okay. All right, Sunshine, you're up. All righty. Steve from Canada. Watching Top Gun for the umpteenth time. Something has always bugged me. Cougar turns in his wings. Really? <laughs> So he asked, ask, multiple questions here, and we'll kind of encompass shortly at the end here. Can you even turn in your wings? Have you ever seen anyone turn in their wings? And if you turn in the wings, who do you turn them into? And then is a flight surgeon involved in this? Is there kind of in the decision matrix, if you will, to turn in your wings? And then what happens if you do turn in your wings? Do you, are you caught it off on the next ship, or do you join the Black Shoe Navy or become a ship driver? That
0: assumes we're on the boat when you turn
2: in
1: your wings, like in the movie. So. Yeah, okay. exactly. So, so right. we'll just focus on the first part. Uh, can, can you even turn in your wings?
2: I don't know if you can turn, physically turn your wings in. Um, I would say you know ha- flying is is called hazardous duty, so you can and it's voluntary. No one makes Absolutely. you do it. So you can right. and, and you can turn them in by refusing to to continue doing that. Mm-hmm. So I guess yes, you can turn your wings. I don't know. I don't know anyone that's ever done it. You can't you know rip your wings off your flight suit. So you, I guess you could, but <laughs> I, I don't know anyone that's ripped their wings off and just yeah. kind of slid them across the table and, and called yeah. it good. So it's all Hollywood. Um, yeah, yeah that, that's kind of Hollywood. It makes makes for good movies. Um, and, yeah, I haven't seen anyone turn in their wings. But we do uh, – if it comes to that, sometimes uh, they they will convene, a, like, a performance board. And if, right. if that goes, you know, the negative uh, – towards a negative trend or they come up with a, uh, a conclusion that, hey, this guy or gal isn't fit to fly, then they can uh, they can take him there. But I, I don't know. I think that happens very, very rarely. Right. Yeah, there was a
1: jail on one of my tours that he uh, – they weren't. They didn't feel good about his decision making, airborne, and his airmanship. So okay. how he landed on the boat wasn't so hot, and some of his tactical decisions weren't terribly impressive. So mm-hmm. they basically did the uh, a field naval aviation evaluation board, a FNEB, mm-hmm. right, and they did remove him. So and there's different categories, right? right. So once you go through the process and it's kind of adjudicated, you can either uh, resume flying. You can not fly but wear your wings, or you can not fly and not wear your wings. Mm-hmm. Those are the results. But now we're talking
0: about pulling versus pushing, right? So in other words, his question is, can oh, you turn yeah. in your wings? And what it's you're true. talking about, I'm not trying to shoot you down here, but um, that's more of a disciplinary. Hey, sorry, I'm taking yeah. these off your chest. Yeah. But I mean, really, the short answer is, it like you said, it's hazardous and it's voluntary. If you don't want to do it for whatever reason, you, no one's going to make you go strap into an F-18 and go fly it. You will be pardoned from flying. You might. I don't know, take some some grief from people, particularly if it's right before deployment or right before a particularly harrowing phase of missions or training. I just finished Kevin Miller's book, and there's a lot of talk in there about his latest book uh, about a particular pilot who had some struggles but, you know, didn't turn him in. But, yeah, I mean, if, you're, if you just decide at some point for whatever reason it's not for you, you can't.
2: And you see, that, you'll see that in flight school, a little mm. more guys just they drop on a quest. they Like, hey, this yeah. isn't for me. Uh, that's where I've seen it the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not, I've never seen a wing guy, a wing deviator just kind of yeah, call it quits. So part three
0: here was who'd you turn them into? Yeah.
2: So uh, I guess I mean you probably started the commanding officer, that's and, right. and it would get up to you know uh, in the Marine side a group commander, or maybe the CAG on the Navy side, and, mm-hmm. and it would go uh, from there. I, I would venture to guess it would get all the way up to the, the Commandant for aviation on the Marine side. Uh-huh. And, um it would, get, it would get pretty high uh, pretty quickly I, I would think yeah um, it's a and big cool.
0: deal and i would think the next stop would probably be you need to go see someone who cares about you like a flight surgeon or
1: probably a human factor sword,
0: right? yeah a psychologist yeah, even maybe so yeah. but again they're just trying to figure out what's going on in your head and you know it just it's going to depend on every person every situation if someone's got something going on at home maybe they can just give them a break instead of saying you're done being an aviator but if someone is no kidding, hey, I can't be a pilot anymore, or in your example with the Phenab, if, you know, depending on the level of severity, some of them could actually be escorted out of the Navy. But in other cases, to Steve's question, I mean, yeah, you could end up in a different warfighting uh, job, I suppose.
1: Yeah, a friend of mine, and this was more from flight school, he DOR'd, so mm-hmm. dropped on request. And he went into, so we talked about MOSs in a previous. Um, Podcast, so we have our designators in the Navy. So thirteen ten, he became General Aviation thirteen hundred, and he eventually transferred over to uh, aviation maintenance duty. Mm-hmm. So and you've probably heard him called the fallen angels, some of the, the, that, yeah. the guys that uh, that quit through some part of the, the training or right. the, for whatever reason, and then they still want to be part of aviation, but they can't be in the cockpit, so they'll be aviation maintenance officers.
0: So it's like the broken players on the sidelines that are still helping out the teammates there yeah, doing what they can say but yeah, yeah that's like, true I'm sorry that's not very politically well I made my 11 year old go to water polo practice the other day he was complaining his leg hurt and I said well can you ride a bicycle yeah well then you go and you help the coach with whatever, off, whatever he needs yeah, yeah. he was trying to it. say he couldn't <laughs> swim so anyway uh, but yeah I mean that, and that's a good thing because if someone recognizes hey this part isn't for me I don't have the aptitude I don't have whatever but mm-hmm. I still want to serve good on them
1: absolutely yeah. Yeah. absolutely so, I'll a right. home for
0: you yeah all sure. right uh, and would they cod you off the ship? Uh, you know, I guess it depends on, I don't know. Probably that, not. If you're on deployment, they're probably going to find a job. Ge- in fact, yeah. you're the new duty officer.
1: I was going to say, yeah, resources are slim <laughs> yeah. on the uh,
0: carrier. Yeah. They're probably not
2: going to farm you off or push mm-hmm. you off You'd the you be carrier. flipping burgers in the galley. All right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Now Rob Evans from Cantonsville, Maryland asks, how much do squadrons work together, i.e., do E2C and... Pres- Soon, presumably, E2D squadrons plan missions with F 18 squadrons. I watched the PBS Carrier docuseries a few years ago, and it seemed like each of the F 18 squadrons mostly worked out of their own ready rooms.
2: Yeah, I think uh, to answer the question, yes, absolutely. Um, And I think probably the biggest reason is whether you're in training or combat, you know, stuff happens very quickly, and scenarios present themselves that um, if you haven't just gotten on the same page with some other guys you're going to be up there with, um, to let them know, hey, I don't. I'm not going to tell you how to do this, but this is kind of what this is what I want us to do, and this is where I want us to end up at the end of the mission. You just take that and do what you have to do, E2 guys on your side to make that happen. That's perfect. So you kind of give them your intent of what uh, ultimately you want to happen. Because, and, and if you look at, you know, when you you and Mongo sat down and talked to those guys or any of the guys that have done this for real, you could the pace, the frenetic pace of, of air combat is just insane. Oh yeah. So you bring in the E2 guys, and you say, hey, guys, we're going to defend the carrier strike group behind us. We're going to be out here for about a half an hour. This is what I want to happen, or this is what I don't want to happen. And you kind of read them in on the plan, because if something happens that we might not have time to talk to those guys. Um, and it sounds ridiculous, but you, you might not have 30 seconds to 60 seconds real time to, to have a quick discussion. A scenario presents itself, and they need to know what you want to happen. And if you do that with pre-mission planning, kind of getting everyone, it's like a huddle in football you get everyone huddled up, hey, guys, first and 10, this is our play, this is what we're going to do. Everyone knows what you want. So you don't have to have those discussions. Everyone just knows immediately. And it just usually works out to a uh, better mission accomplishment <coughs> in the end.
1: Excuse me. Yeah, absolutely. I've also noticed uh, on one of my cruises I flew with an APG-65, and the sister squadron had the uh, ASA. So there was a tactical advantage to doing mixed sections. So they uh, the ASA is – Pretty much hands down a better radar, but there are little minor differences where the uh, a complementary 65 in a section, so you have a 79 and 65, or it really even the, even the 72, right? Did I get that right? 71, 72? 73. 73. 73, I'm yep. sorry, yep. my apologies, 73. So 73 and 79, they work together well.
0: Right, so remind us what AESA stands for?
1: Actively, active electronically scanned array.
0: Right, so, so there's
1: no mechanical moving parts. Right, it's there's all a just plate there lobes. and
0: electrons are being beamed wherever, yeah, whereas the older APG 65 is swinging the radar That's around exactly. and a little less capable. So, yep, yeah. and I think just about all the super hornets are going to that AES. I think, is what I've heard. So, mm-hmm. all right, and then let's see, what was I going to yeah. add to that? Um, I, yeah, I would say if the PBS series there led you astray. I mean again, they have to make it compelling just like Hollywood we're always busting on. Uh but I would say we work together daily. You know, it, it you might have your little fun, trivial rivalries for you know, between particularly VFA squadrons, but the E two guys, there are eyes and ears out there and the helicopter squadron. Yes, you know, we we bust on them, but <laughs> if you're in the water you're certainly gonna they're gonna be your new best friends. And so it is a team. We work together as a team and I think we do it pretty well.
1: I, I agree and also a uh, parting shot on the carrier series. Is that a lot of that the uh, multi squadron integration is gonna take place in the civic, right? The oh true information center and that's uh, classified so they couldn't bring tv cameras True. in there so that may have been kind of an artificial limitation although
0: i think they might have i don't know those guys oh, were they? everywhere i was on that they cruise like yeah mark. they were oh that's right I, I, that's right yeah i was you i don't had, you had the kneeboard card up. i right? did I yeah yeah it was my five seconds of fame before starting the podcast <laughs> and it's literally right.
2: it can be as simple as a you know a table like this When literally you just get everyone that's going to be a decision maker around and yeah. you just yeah. more game and, and it's like it's not unlike when you're a kid just out back you know playing playing you know marine or whatever you just run around it's, it's like hey guys if this is this is what's going on like what do you think what do you think because everyone's their own subject matter expert uh, but ultimately you just kind of synthesize everything and it works out pretty good yeah yep.
1: that's a good point all right and then we'll move on to dennis mancia i'm gonna say are you allowed to carry your own personal weapons if you say do not like trust the uh, sidearm that's issued to you he's always wondered this because jake grafton was allowed to do so in flight of the intruder so how is it nowadays
2: no, so you can't just carry whatever you want. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> wow. especially as Marines, that, you know, love, <laughs> <we> love, <laughs> we love guns and stuff. But and it's a great that. question. A great yeah, question. Oh, yeah it is. is. Yeah. I get that one a lot too. Um, you can't. Uh, you get issued, you know, the sidearm uh, that you get, and we get uh, Beretta nine millimeter Berettas in the Marine Corps. I think you guys. We had six hours. Six, six, six
0: hour, hour P two twenty eight. I want to say yeah. Yeah. nine yeah, millimeter so, as well. Exactly.
2: Um, and I think it. I think it's a function of the round that it shoots. Yeah, we have to comply with what NATO. Yeah, there's some NATO standard right. for
0: 9mm, so, I think. And it's right. got to be ball ammo. It can't be hollow point right. or anything yep. f- funny like that. Um,
2: and, uh, yeah, so, no, you can't you can't roll around with whatever you want, unfortunately, um, like Jake Grafton.
0: That was a big disappointment for me because I bought a Glock when I was a young pilot. <laughs> I was going to have <laughs> 13 rounds in a magazine with my forty-five and a couple more, you know, and bandana or something. And, and you're there's not enough room in the cockpit for all that. Yeah, it's true, <laughs> too. Bigger, yeah. Yeah. I mean,
2: I would say, I mean, when we were overseas and, uh You guys as well, you have to check it out at the armory anyway. So, I mean, I'm sure you could, you know, if you had your own personal weapon somewhere. Is anyone going to check, really? I would say probably not. Uh, But and if, you know, for whatever reason you were getting in trouble for, as a jet pilot, shooting an (laughs) unauthorized pistol, I'm willing to bet you have a lot bigger issues that that you have to stand for than than, than that. Well,
0: Well, by the end, in my air wing, they would give you the magazines wrapped in a Ziploc bag with, like, duct tape. And if you really needed it, it would have been difficult. But they got tired of, because the top bullet would get dislodged, and it would be in your G-suit pocket or bouncing around in the PR oh, shop. The carpet, yeah. And so, it, you know, it just became kind of a hassle. But, yeah, we had, um, we had a CAG-OPSO, so that was an air wing operations officer on one of my deployments, who had taken his firearm, put it in the magazine, went flying, got back from his flight, got into the PR shop, and I don't know what he was thinking, because the magazine was in, but it wasn't, it wasn't around in the chamber. Mm-hmm. He racks it. Okay, so now so there's Mount round Ryan, the two. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Drops the magazine, points the thing down Oof. in the corner, oh and squeezes God. the trigger oh in a God. metal shop. Oh, oh my the God. The bullet goes through Rosassa Annie, you know, the little yeah. uh, CPR doll, yeah. bounces around, everybody's, of course, crazy, and, uh, and comes to arrest somewhere. And no one was hurt. But thankfully, it was right before Folk's Follies. And the leadership uh, was coming down ammunition. on us for using yeah, too much F-word and other potty humor. Yeah. So that created plenty, <laughs> plenty of, of ammo, right pardon the pun, uh, our, for folks, falling. folks uh, of
1: Follies. falling.
0: I think we talked about it once before. Okay. But, yeah, it's the little social <laughs> gathering up on the front of the ship every month or two. And, uh, and you, you, you have some skits yeah. and funniness. But, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that was, that was scary. And I think after that is maybe when they started Wrapping up the, uh, or maybe not even issuing him magazines <laughs> yeah, after that. Geez. You He's can just do not. Issue you can them. just Man. whack someone with the uh, with the thing. <laughs> that's mean. right. Yep. Oh, that's funny. All right. How are we doing on time? I think we have time for one more. Okay. So Ecats from Spain asks, and Sunshine, based on BS's um, lack of ship ops, you might need to handle this one. Also watching the PBS series, he wants to know how a fuel ladder works. Can you explain that in a couple minutes or less?
1: yeah absolutely so it's going to be based on burn rate so it's going to be your quick reference of hey how much fuel do i have what time do i land and how does that math work out so instead of a rate time distance it's more of a fuel time if you will Um, and so we look at the burn rate and i'm gonna have to use notional numbers since it's been about eight years since i've developed a fuel ladder but you got two engines let's just say each engine burns for easy math 1000 pounds every 15 minutes not quite the case, but let's just say. So basically you got two engines now, so it's two thousand pounds every fifteen minutes. And then you're gonna figure out when you're supposed to land. You're probably gonna buffer that by about mm-hmm. ten minutes. So ten to fifteen minutes after you land, you're gonna put your minimum fuel state.
0: So let's say it's four-o.
1: Four-o, and then every we said every fifteen minutes it's gonna be an additional two thousand pounds. So if you land with a four zero, then actual landing time is going to be 15 minutes prior to that, right? As so you should be six right? zero then. Six zero, and okay. then it's going to be eight zero, ten zero, and so on and so forth. So you're going to build it up. That way it's a quick reference for you in the cockpit when you've got a thousand other things going on to, mm-hmm. to keep your attention. You can just look at your fuel gauge, look at the time, look at your kneeboard card, and figure out if you're on lad or not. And that'll basically dictate your throttle movement, right? So if you're training
0: and then you reach ladder, now you know, okay, we're pretty much done training. Exactly. Max conserve now. There you go, max conserve, absolutely. Yeah,
1: Yeah. so you got max endurance and max range, and I guess we'll probably talk about that later. Sure, yeah.
0: And I remember for the F-18 Hornet, I want to say it was about 1,200 aside, because I remember it being about – Twenty-four hundred. See, here's public math again.
1: But you know, like wow. you could,
0: you could really nitnoid it and get into five-minute increments. You could because a third of twenty-four was like, you know, eight hundred. And, and you
1: know. God bless Excel spreadsheets and junior officers that would <laughs> basically drum up your kneeboard card for right. you. you. You're right. You could uh, nitnoid it. I'll just use the politically correct term. Sure. Down to a, a three decimal places right. if you oh, wow. wanted to. But but I just use a thousand yeah. for easy math. And there then the thousand
0: might two. change if, of course, a Hornet and a Super Hornet or will be different. But yeah. also yeah. if you're double bubble, right? So yeah, a tank yeah. on each wing versus double ugly. Where one's in the center, one on the wing. or, or five wet for the super. Of, wing, oh like yeah, the there you go. Yeah, yep. that's a pig. That's so a pig. it depends on your configuration, and uh, yeah. Did you ever have to make a ladder for any reason?
2: I think the only time we really <laughs> do it is uh, on the tanker. You know, when we come back on a transpac, and yeah. it's not a, it's not really oh, a yeah. true ladder like well, you guys but did, but it's you know, you're you're I'm um, here, we're going time. here. How much right. just uh, how much fuel do I need? Where am I at? Am I below it? Am I above it? Because, and that in that scenario, just like you guys saw, there's only so much. There's a finite amount of gas, so. If I'm, you know, being undisciplined with my throttles and using more gas and say you guys are, I can't just selfishly stay on the tanker longer because you guys need the gas as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah, great point. Yeah.
0: Sunshine, why don't you take Rod Schmidt's uh, next question. Rod
1: there. from Houston, Texas. I've noticed in numerous old World War II documentaries that the P-51s drop their external fuel tanks right before they go into combat. Do fighters today do the same thing?
2: They can, yeah, they sure can. Um, I can say the the Hornet flies pretty well with the tanks on them, and there's not a whole lot. There's a finite amount of tanks as well, just like gas. So, um, if you're in a, an extremist and, and you're in a turning engagement with a, with a, an adversary, you're going to get everything off the airplane that you don't need to to shoot him down. Essentially, and the tanks are one of the easy ones there. But like I said, we don't have a whole lot going around, and you're not just going to be punching these things off. You know, um, probably like like you see there, Rod, in the in the movies and on the internet. I also heard that the P fifty one tanks were paper mache. Uh, I heard they weren't <laughs> really? even metal. Wow! not I don't even know that's true or not, but wow. someone telling me one time there it was kind of like a didn't know. Like well,
0: this was mache. World War II. They might have needed the metal for everything yeah, else because know, the yeah. rest of the country had to sacrifice. Apparently, yeah.
2: and they knew that it was you know they, they needed to get over to Germany and they didn't need them once they got there, so they they got rid of them. But um, I don't think people would be too happy nowadays if we these tanks are about the size of the table. So um, yeah,
1: and like you said earlier, they don't make them for the legacy. They don't make them anymore. So right. that's a big deal. Right. And, and even at the depot where Jello and I worked, uh, when we are evaluating planes, we were not afforded the luxury of a fuel tank, which would provide us some extra time to evaluate. But all the fuel tanks were designated for the fleet only.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I think to Rod's point, though, before, because you have seen the video of them, right? They're all lined up, and yeah. then all of a sudden, poof, they all come off yeah, because sure. somebody told them. So before it was <coughs> preemptive, I would suggest. Now it's more yeah. reactive. Mm-hmm. So to your point, if you are, and Top Gun's got all these criteria, which I won't re- recite because, frankly, I don't remember them anyway. But uh, if if you were at a certain altitude or certain airspeed or you were a certain position defensive, or being shot at by a SAM and your airspeed went below. Then there was criteria, Mm -hmm. and then you could also, the F-18 anyway, had a selective jettison. In other words, hey, if I get to a certain airspeed or altitude, I want these to go first, and generally that would be the drop tanks. And then you have what we always used to call the admiral's or probably general's doorbell, (laughs) meaning ding-dong, I need to go explain to you why everything is off, and that's uh, launchers, racks, any weapon you might have been carrying to your Mm target— You're pretty much slick as we were at the mm-hmm. depot at that point, except we didn't even have the pylons, so that was pretty fun. Was. So yep. worst
2: worst case scenario, basically in, in any weather, air or air, air to ground, or like threat reacting. Yep. So it's yeah. pretty pretty small. Yep. Uh, band there.
0: All right. I think we have time for one more, and then we'll get into our little movie review. And so that okay. is Alex. Not sure where Alex is from. He says, "Who or what?" decides when you are promoted or rank up as Alex puts it is this mostly tied to seniority or does it depend more heavily on how you act and are perceived by the he writes navy but we'll add marine corps as well
2: yeah so uh in the marines at least we have a promotion board uh that convenes every year i think it's in every august and so all the all the people the marines that are up for promotion uh have their um all their fit reps and kind of there. we call it a master briefing which is a, a, a kind of a one-page condensed summary of uh, where you've been, what you've done, kind of how you how you break out in terms of your peers, uh, stuff like that. And then a board just convenes for a couple weeks, and then they theoretically they pick the best uh, the best people. Uh, you could ask flight crews; it doesn't always happen like right. that. We all have opinions afterwards, <laughs> uh, <but laughs> it just is what it is. But they they're the ones that make the decisions. Um,
1: is the board comprised exclusively of pilots for the pilot promotion board?
2: It isn't. It's, especially in the Marine Corps, it's not. Um, Likewise. Nate yeah so we can you can and they don't tell you who's on the board they don't tell you the names they don't even tell you what their MOS is so sometimes through back channels you, you kind of find out this information uh, but um, you know you could have they could be briefing your we call it a, a package we, you think someone could be briefing your package to the board mm-hmm. president that you might be like a communications officer that knows nothing about aviation so uh, so it's really important when when your uh, when your boss is right reps that they do it in such a way to convey what they what they really want to say to a board and when, I know when I write mine, I try to think, if someone that knows nothing about aviation is going to read this, would he understand how much I value Sunshine in our squadron? And, and that's what I try to do, I think it works out pretty good, and most guys try to do that.
1: So would you kind of relate a, a fit rep to a, a grade or a report card? Or?
2: It's a bit of a report card. It's, kind of, it's just like an annual review for any, any kind of civilian job where your boss is kind of, hey, you're, you're the number one of ten captains or, mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. um, analysts in your, in your uh, field. Or you're, you're the ten, or you're whatever. Uh, this is this is where I see you. This is where I see kind of your future going, and this is the way I, I rank you. And really, all that stuff gets communicated to the board. So they compile all that, and it's kind of it's totally independent, really, of what uh, what's in your uh, reviews. You can get fantastic reviews, and generally, you would think that would mean you get promoted, but, and it does most of the time. But sometimes it doesn't for whatever reason. Uh, they might be looking for your, your MOS might already have a whole lot of people that uh, it's super competitive. Um, or on the other side, you see it a lot, then you have an MOS that, that is really hurting for people, and you, you see maybe some, someone that's not quite qualified that another person get it for whatever reason. So it's a little bit of a mystery. Um, I think it works out pretty decently, but it can get, it can get frustrating. Yeah.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. i say, similar in the Navy, the approach is uh, the quotas are set, to my knowledge, uh, the quotas for each rank really by the Senate, if you want to draw it, because they own the purse strings mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. for the military. And then from there, just like you said, It's supply and demand. Supply would be the warm bodies, and demand would be the number of billets provided or dictated, really, by the Senate. And uh, in the Navy, I know, especially on the enlisted side, they say, choose your rate, choose your fate. So if you pick something that's overmanned, it's going to be more difficult to promote, just like Mm -hmm. you mentioned, versus something that's undermanned, you may get fast-tracked up uh, to something higher, faster.
0: Yeah. The only thing I would add, excuse me, is that on the early ranks for officers, specifically for pilots because you've only been in flight school. There's not really a chance to evaluate the person other Break than some out. basic attitude and whatnot. Yeah. But, uh, so for me, I went from Ensign to Lieutenant J.G. on the second year anniversary of when I was commissioned, automatic. Yeah. In other words, hey, you're no-brainer. Let's just go ahead. And then at that time, I don't know if it's the same way now or not, but then another two years later, You would be promoted to lieutenant or captain Mm -hmm. in your equivalent. And in fact, at that time, they would actually frock us a year early. Frock just means you get to wear the rank, but you don't get paid for it. So I spent two exact years as an ensign, spent one exact year as a lieutenant JG, Mm -hmm. and then I put on lieutenant a year early. While I was at the FRS, so the same rank as the other mm-hmm. instructors, instructors, but yes, I still knew yes. that they had free experience <laughs> and I didn't. So, yeah. And, and yeah. most of my peers were also uh, lieutenants already. And then I didn't get paid for another year of the 03 pay. And then I spent, what was it, six years, I think, as a lieutenant. And then there was that first board where mm-hmm. it really mattered at that point what I had done. And for the Navy, at least, back then, it was almost a no-brainer. They were in such need. I mean, this was for me back in two thousand. 02 is when I put on 04. So they were taking almost all comers. I mean, they took me. And uh, so 04 was a no-brainer. And then as long as you did okay in a VFA as a department head, then 05 was almost assured. But now to elaborate on this question, then it became command. And so to your point, that board meets, and they're not only selecting, well, I shouldn't even put it that way. They're not selecting rank. That was a different board. But now there's a whole similar process for who are going to be our squadron commanders are skippers and that then depended on whether I should say that then affected whether you made 06 or captain now you kind of changed gears midway career right you became an AEDO I did. so you took yourself sort of out of that I didn't and through maybe no fault of my own or you can say it was but either way no big deal I, I live with it I'm comfortable at night I did not screen for command so I made 05 but I never made 06 so even though a lot of my peers same year group as me got promoted, that wasn't in the cards for me to get promoted because I had not been a skipper. Had I been a skipper and done well, uh, then I could have theoretically kept moving up. But, you know, there's only one president. The pyramid gets thinner at the top, so everybody's got to find their way out. And some go sooner, some go later.
1: Yeah, and I think to your point, though, is it's it's refreshing to see people as capable as you not make command. Only what that means to me is the, the, de- the supply is so big that it uh, overshadows, I guess you could right. say, the, the demand.
0: Well we all have mind. our own journey, so you know, yeah, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't meant for me and, and that's okay, I'm at peace with it.
1: And I quit as an 04, I went over, I call it quitting, but basically <laughs> I went to uh, aerospace engineering and duty officer right. to afford me some other career paths, if you will, like test pilot school yeah.
0: and whatnot. We should probably have a show on that sometime. So. Yeah. On quitters? All right. <laughs> on AEDL. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we're down to about 15 minutes. We're going to switch gears now yeah. and do our right. movie review. So <laughs> if you tuned in to Sunshine in my previous show on this, you remember that we did, what was your alliteration there?
1: I think it was right, wrong, righteous, and ridiculous.
0: Okay. So what was right about the movie, what did they get wrong about the movie, what was pretty righteous or what did we just think was pretty cool, and then what was just cringeworthy. So for you, BS, the movie is the Independence Day from, uh, I want to say, 96. And start by reminding the listeners slash viewers what was particular about the squadron featured in that movie and the logo you're wearing on your shirt.
2: That's right. So yeah, so Independence Day... Great movie. Nice. One of my favorites. Yep. <laughs> what I'm about to say, keep that in mind, because I love this movie. Um, <laughs> i about to crush it. Squadron-wise, though, so yeah, so they, they, the Black Knights, the MFA 314 was a was a starring role in that movie, mm-hmm. uh, and also, little known fact, uh, 101 gets a shout-out in there as well. Uh, I think there's a scene where oh. the guys are just shooting the bull, uh, watching the... The aliens on on the news or whatever, and they kind of have a wide wide angle shot of the ready room, mm-hmm. if you want to call it that. And if you look closely, there's guys with the one on one patch. Uh, there's Black Knight patches, it's all over the place, but there's a bunch of guys with one on one patches, which is where I'm an IP at one on one right now. So right. both the squadrons that, that I've been in really um, are in the movies. So. so
0: let me interrupt because when I got to VFA 9, uh, VMFAT 101 in late 1995, some of those guys that were extras. Were still instructors, oh, the so oh, they just right. wore yeah yeah right. Yeah. Right, right, so they right. just wore their uh, their squadron nice. patches oh, for cool. that. Very and in cool. fact, real quick, when um, when they're looking for pilots, and the one drunk guy uh, says, you know, I was abducted by aliens. There's a guy asking the questions, and a marine standing next to him who just shakes his head. They always kid- <laughs> kidded him about it because he never got to say anything. Or they would he would uh, they would have had to pay killed. pay him more. But that was one of our instructors. So no, uh, yeah, one on one, it was nice. cool. That's so cool. anyway, sorry, That's go
2: great. ahead. Uh, yeah, so it's cool to see. Um, your squadron in the movie, um, and we every Marine Corps ball I think when I was a J.O. we would try to call Will Smith and, and invite him to the ball <laughs> and be a guest of honor, but I don't think they never worked out. Uh, uh, He's busy guy I'm sure. So we we had this like life size cutout of him in a flight suit. We just nice, kind <laughs> of ghetto, but in effigy. It was pretty funny. Um, I I thought it was a good movie. To be honest, with you guys they from a from a flying perspective they actually did a lot of stuff right. Believe it or not, and they must have had some kind of technical assistance, but. Um, especially if you can remember the, the scene where they're all kind of, you know, every every flyable airplane is, is pointing at this city-sized, you know, alien spaceship. And they bust out in that huge dogfight. I mean, there's every type model series in the air, which, which is kind of cool to see. But when they, from a from an aviator, you can tell, you know, from the layperson, you might not be able to pick on it. But uh, some of the stuff that they talk about, you know, the, the actors are talking, are actually correct. Terminology, correct right. terms. That like blow use. through, he says at one point. He uses blow through. He says he calls something a shackle, which I literally said that Monday on a flight I had, and it's just simply <laughs> we're trying to get switch switch sides of the formation. Yeah. So just kind of little stuff that probably goes over most people's heads, but you know, for the for pilots, like, oh, did he just yeah. say shackle? Like, did you say? That there itself? you go. So that was actually that's actually real. We use okay. those terms all the time, so that was kind of cool to see that at least because some of these movies just get it so wrong. Oh you know? yeah, it's just, it's just kind of like cringeworthy but uh, that was actually pretty mm-hmm. good um so I'll give him credit for that okay there was plenty of fox twos in there I think you've had a couple people explain what that means. yes we have um and that's right as well mm-hmm. and, uh so that's uh, there's a lot of goodness there if you can get through with it um I don't, th- th- I don't i don't know if there's a whole lot of wrong stuff there uh, I will say this might be like a wrong slash cringeworthy uh moment, but will Smith's getting chased to the canyon with you know three alien fighters or whatever, mm-hmm. and then he's you know a couple scrape off the side so he's now he's one v one and then I guess he's, like, out of gas and options or whatever. He just he just decides to eject at, like, 50 feet, doing, like, 1,000 miles an hour. And as a pilot, you just look at that, like, oh, man. This, ouch. Uh, ouch. Oh, no. Not only that, so his parachute, like, t- somehow, like... Hits the space, the alien jet. I think
0: it was a like a drogue chute, like on an F sixteen or something, which the F eighteen doesn't even have. Is that what it was? Right, like an F. I don't know what what it looked like to me. Yeah, like an F four had drogue chute. So it looked to me like he deployed his drogue chute, that then blew off and like yeah, blinded the alien. Like uncanny. And then ejected. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Um, So exactly.
2: That's kind of that's that's obviously way unrealistic. But I this is probably one of my favorite parts of the movies when. You know, he he he's walking around. Like, somehow, all his flight gear and his clothes get ripped off. Will Smith, and he's walking around. It was in the desert. Fly. It was hot. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> totally cringeworthy. And then the this, the alien thing is, you know, smoking a hole in the ground. But as a marine, I I, I always love the scene. You know, a typical marine. He's not like freaking out like most normal people. Even normal marine fighter pilots would be freaking out if that happened. He walks up to the spaceship, he like pops a canopy, and there's like tentacles coming out, and, all sort of, and he punches the thing in yep, the face. Yep. Welcome to Earth. Welcome to Earth, and he punches in the face, <laughs> and we're like, yeah. You know, it's just such, that's like such a Marine thing. Uh, so we always get a kick out of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I thought it was a great flick. Uh, Will I, Will Smith's character was a, I thought was kind of cringeworthy a little bit, mm-hmm. just as a Marine fighter pilot. Um, nobody acts like that in a squadron. We don't walk around with cigars going out to the jet like, yeah. high-fiving each other. Yeah. Before we, we don't even do that when we land. Um, <laughs> so that's that's a little bit, you know, total yep. great, great, great cinematics, good Hollywood. Yep. Um, I love the president was like blue one and that, you know, he's the, the eagle one, that, yeah, I think. He's yeah. the, yeah. the yep. mission commander. Oh, he was a former thing. fighter like, pilot, of course. <laughs> that's not perishable. He gets right back. Yeah, he just, yeah. just, he gets just after says it. like the best speech ever, which yep. still gives me chills. <laughs> yep. like it's fake and it's a fake president, but he goes out there and does good stuff. So that was pretty cool um i don't know wrong stuff i don't know if there's too much i didn't pay attention too much to know wrong stuff i would say the in
0: cockpit view so you have the displays where like the little thing is flashing and then it shoots off or it's got a failure and then of course the ejection seat was like three feet wide yeah Yeah. and so there was some in cockpit stuff but again you know most people don't care about that stuff we do at least i do we do we notice the questions yeah
1: yeah no not too bad
0: what about you Uh, sunshine what'd you have
1: um so independence day absolutely loved it very entertaining (laughs) yeah um i and i i just love what well, you already brought it up touched on it, and that is how will smith he portrays the the bravado of a typical fighter pilot and at least the, the squadrons i've been in yeah you'd be crushed you know what i'm saying like okay take it down seven notches time for some humble pie you know yeah. what i'm saying take him in the back behind the woodshed show that was really bad yeah. i
0: thought where he met his girlfriend was kind of interesting i could leave it at that if you want do you remember what her occupation was uh, no. She was a dancer, of course. The first lady oh. asked, Oh, ballet? She says, No. Well, apparently. Anyway, <laughs> <it's>, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, the, the cringeworthy part for me, besides the, you know, hey, I fought, this is Will Smith's character, I fought against this thing, so I could probably fly it in a space. Like, okay, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know how that quite, you know, he's talking to what? The Commandant of the Marine yeah. Corps. Yeah. Um, but the. The scene where they've got plenty of airplanes, for whatever reason, not enough pilots. And then right before the raid, it's like dawn and they're coming in. They show an F-18 up close. And you know what it says on the side? U.S. Air Force. Oh, Oh, that's right. That was awful. That's That's was like, look, someone went out of their way to paint that that on there. And they got it wrong. Are you kidding me? The Air Force does not. Hey, nothing against the Air Force. I love the boys in blue. But they don't fly F-18s. We did share aircraft in the past, F-4. Right now, we kind of share the F-16 with them, so I shouldn't count that, but A-7, mm-hmm. but not the f 18 So I don't know who got that one wrong. To your point, whoever was talking about the comms clearly wasn't invited wasn't paint, so into that discussion, that. yeah. <laughs> um,
2: I remember, I'm trying to think of the guy. Was it Dennis Quaid, right?
0: I think, he was Randy he the uh, president or Dennis something?
2: Quaid? No, no he Dennis was the, Quaid was... He was the, the crop duster, he farmer, the, weirdo. Oh, was that his name? Yeah, Bill Pullman,
1: I think, was the president, right? Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. right. He's that's a right. space... Yeah. I just remember him from Spaceballs, another yeah. movie, but... He, Dennis, Quaid Quaid, was Dennis, like, Dennis Quaid
2: was, like, he was, yeah. he, like, in, in our squad, at least. Like, he, that guy was quoted, or his character was quoted in real life in our squad at least, like, once a day. i <laughs> back. Just, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like he, you know, he's, like, you know, had a couple drinks, and he goes out flying at <laughs> yeah. and He's, like, well, I'm a pilot. Like a yeah. I this yeah. Once again,
0: Hollywood, that's why yeah, this that show is anymore, uh, partly. Uh, yeah. I thought Dennis Quaid, what was the name of the actor? Maybe we shouldn't get off on this tangent, but I thought it was Dennis Quaid who was, the Gordo guy from The Right Stuff. Who's the best pilot you ever saw? Oh, that's right. I think is this
2: is Randy Quaid. I mean, like he was in the uh, National Lampoon. Okay. Yes. yeah. the RV out and Clark's
1: in Clark's front yard. Yeah.
0: That's right. Uh, just All right. Just a great piece of acting. For sure. Okay. Six
1: degrees of Kevin Bacon
0: or something. Oh, we could. Yeah. That could be yeah. That could be tricky. All right, guys. Well, we've done some questions. We've done our movie review. We're just about out of time anyway. So, Sunshine, any Parting shots? Uh, no, fantastic.
1: Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks,
0: Jeremy. Yeah, time. for sure. So, BS, thanks for coming on the show. And looks like we've got quite a turnout here. We're not going to uh, give you the creepy close-up here at the end, folks. We'll read your comments later. We'll pass those along to BS. And uh, if anything needs addressing, we will do that. Otherwise, yeah, thanks for coming on. So today is, what, September 19th? Uh, Sunshine and I were just working on episode 26. It'll be coming out on the 21st. That will be on the MAGTAF, the Marine Air Ground Task Force. Great. And so that will be just in time for the Miramar Air Show, which is coming up next weekend. Might see you out there, right?
2: We'll be out there, yeah. Okay, we'll out Sunshine, the you're gonna be, in going to be like a little Disney World. All right, so
0: <laughs> you're on your uh, retirement honeymoon. So yes, we'll sir. So ex- we'll excuse you. Thank you, sir. So if anyone's interested, come on out on Saturday the 29th. I'll be hanging out there at the Semper Fi Chalet and then under the C5 wing, between 10.30 and 11 and 1.30 and 2. So come say hi. I'll be wearing this. And I'll have some stickers and different things. And what else? I guess that's about it.
1: Should we give BS the honors of the final? Oh,
0: yeah. This is fun. We, we okay. Well, it's the end live video. It's a lot of fun. Oh, man. Can you, can you handle it? You see the red button?
2: Yeah.
0: All right. Well, so you have to click it once. Oh then we have to wave and say goodbye. And then you click it again, and it's over. That's Let's it. Let's do it. All right. Oh, my God. See everybody. Keep it. Wait, not that covered. one, that one. no, this no, no, no no, yep. no,
2: no, no. Wait, oh yeah, okay.
0: Yeah, right there. All right. Oh wait, hold on.
2: Okay. End it. Stop. Kill